take an insight into the world of radio broadcasting with news presenter and radio show host Carmen Braidwood. Carmen tells how her taste for performing at school was the catalyst for her career. She talks about how she's drawn to the Olympics of live broadcasting, that is breakfast show radio, as the ultimate test and expression of her and all her capabilities. Self-confessed change junkie, Carmen gives insights into the nature of the broadcasting industry, how her mindset has aided her to meet the challenges of career setbacks, how she is able to consistently be present and show up with high energy levels, as well as the future of radio and media itself. What is of particular interest is how, from her traditional radio training, she has embraced new mediums that have come from the digital space, like podcasts, as well as how she sees radio as a key element in maintaining a sense of community, particularly talkback radio, by bringing people together through shared experience. This was a super entertaining and energetic conversation with a fantastic lady who continually looks to the future as a sea of endless possibilities and opportunities. So enjoy, Carmen. Hello and welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host, Bryn Edwards. The media, radio, TV presenting, as well as digital media, are some of the topics we're going to deep dive into today with my well-known Perth guest, Carmen Braid. Carmen, welcome to the show. Hello, Bryn. It's great to be here. (laughs) What a great voice for radio. You Thanks. <laughs> it's tried and true. Indeed. So you're a Perth girl. I am. Born and bred from yeah. Calamunda Hospital. Yeah. What was it like growing up in Perth? Oh, so many things. Um, I must admit I didn't appreciate it when I was young. You know, you feel uh, that sense of isolation sometimes. And I'll tell you, here's an example of why I probably immediately used to notice that there's a difference between growing up in Perth and growing up in, say, Sydney or Melbourne. You know, you'd do things like watch TV. You'd watch Play School, one of the most popular children's television shows in the country, and even at four years old, I'd sort of say, oh, there are kids in that audience, Mum. Can we go? Can we go and sit? I was always really interested by media, and so even as a child, I want to go. I want to go to play school. I want to meet Noni. And Mum would say, oh, they're over east. And that expression came up again and again in our lives. Yeah, this barrier. (laughs) Yeah, and there's no over west when you live in Sydney or Melbourne, (laughs) is there? You know, but throughout my whole childhood and 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 adolescence there were there were things that you were prevented from being able to do perceivedly just because of where you lived in Australia and um that yeah that was a frustration for me yeah. and I recall by the time I was about you know sort of 15 16 I used to say things much like I hear my stepson say now like oh I'm getting out of here the second I can you yeah, know, and I really was so there's de- quite a bit determined. Of hurry to get away. Yeah, yeah, but um, you know, that's that's changed a lot now. Yeah. So why did because you, you went away, didn't you? Yeah. And then you've come back. Yeah. yeah. Why, why did you come back? Ah, oh, uh, great job offer was yeah. the on paper reason. Um, and yeah, that would have been all it would have taken back then too. I was 29. I was living in the Gold Coast. Had a fantastic job reading the news and the local radio station. Fantastic in my eyes, you know. It might not have been a great job in the world scheme of great media jobs as a regional radio presenting gig, mm. uh, but I really liked my colleagues. I liked where I lived. I had a terrific lifestyle, um, and then I got the opportunity to do my own show in Perth, in the city I grew up in, and um, the the lure away from being a newsreader, which I tended to do more of in my career. Um, back what, to what's that the, the news the, reading? Yeah, I done. I've always wanted to be a news reader. That was what I liked. That yeah. kind of 
<laughs> you know, the lady rider on the TV screen kind of thing. I always had that in my head. I wanted to do that. But more often than not, I'd get these news reading gigs and then I'd start interacting with the breakfast show and I'd end up on the show. I'd end up yeah. being... Because I guess typically I'm not that stern newsy type. I'm more of a, you know, a bit a bit of a laugh at times and, and just weird funny stuff tends to happen to me and yeah. I'm not a comedian but funny things happen when you're me it seems and yes. they're the things that I've found have been really great for radio and yeah more often than not I've wound up and I was starting to happen on the Gold Coast and I had a program director who worked with me there who came back to Perth and said hey you should come back to Perth and be our breakfast show talent and that was a really a very, very tempting opportunity and I couldn't turn it down and so I moved back slightly begrudgingly in 2011 to Perth. Um, but as soon as I got here, I just started to realise what was so great about this place because I'd had that time away to realise, mm. you know, what I missed about Perth. And I, I, you know, and I got back here and went, oh, we've got this amazing river, this huge swan river that winds all the way through the city and I just never made the most of it as a child growing up. But, you know, I met my husband within sort of six weeks of moving back here. Right. Um, we started dating and he would take me out on his jet ski and his lunch break, you know, and I'm thinking, it's Friday afternoon, I'm just riding around we a jet ski in the middle of the river. Look at him go, wow, <laughs> what a date. <laughs> he's making him sound like a real bogan, but he's not. <laughs> but, you know, we, we, we're making the most of it. You know, before too long, um, we had a little boat and we could whip around the river and the beaches were nearby and, yeah, I just started to realise, and I had a great love of, of being on the water and I started to realise how accessible that lifestyle was here even if you weren't earning a lot of money and um, that was really cool and um, I completely reevaluated what I love about this city fell in love too which probably helped and um, yeah boys or girls involved they do don't they (laughs) and I do often credit meeting Ryan with um, giving me some longevity in a job because I was a little flighty in my career I would always um, enjoy a job, have a great time with it until I didn't, and then I'd go, great, I can get a new job now. And, I, you know, radio's a bit like that. You can put feelers out, and before too long, you've got another tantalising opportunity and you've got a reason to leave. And I did a lot of that, and I'd never really strung some work together for longer than sort of four or five years. So once I was at 96FM... I'd met my husband, we were getting married, and um, and uh, there were a few times, definitely, you know, n- most people in this city know 96FM has had a really hard time the last few years. There were so many times when things were bad there that I probably ordinarily would have gone, hey, there's a job in Sydney I'd rather mm. do. Uh, I remember the jobs that came up, and I thought, oh, God, I'd love to do that job. But I didn't go, um, because I'd fallen back in love with my city, and I'd, I'd met someone, and um, it was really... Yeah, it wasn't a good time to go, and I'm so pleased I stayed because the benefits of staying in that job for seven years, even though it ended the way it did, far outweigh the benefits I would have had of just picking up and landing in Sydney and trying to do a different job there. Yeah. Hmm. Awesome. It's interesting how many... Because that's a question I always open with, and it's interesting how many people who grew up have this urge to go away. And I get it. Hmm. And, and yet, then they come back like mm. boomerangs, and then it's all like, oh, this place is amazing. Yeah, what was I thinking? You know, because, you know, even Queensland, which has that whole slogan, beautiful one day, perfect the next, I think, you know, everyone associates, especially people from abroad, will say Queensland's nonstop sunshine and beaches and bare feet. It's not, it's a horrible climate compared to Perth's, especially compared to our southwest corner here. 
You know, here in, in WA, we've got a proper Mediterranean climate. Queensland, in the afternoon, middle of summer, you get thunderstorms. Yeah. And it's humid. That's not as enjoyable as yeah. our summer. You know, I mean, here we are, the first day of April. Yeah. And yeah. we're outside on the front of your house. That's right. That's you why know? you can hear all the great sounds in the background. Yeah, a few <laughs> little weird sounds in the background. But, you know, this is it. We've got a far superior climate hmm. to Queensland. Queensland do pretty well at winter, I'll give them that. But our winter's great, and you still get that sense of a cool winter if you enjoy the cooler climate, too. So we do much better for climate here. Super. So this. This is like the second time in two weeks that I've approached. I always get slightly nervous for mm. podcasts, but it's the second time in two weeks that I've been like more than nervous. Oh, really? Last week there was Jared, who is quite a man, and now here I am having a conversation with someone who does this for a living, <laughs> and I don't <laughs> yet. <laughs> I can understand and, that feeling. And um, so you have a very distinguished media career. I guess um, so. You know, starting with FM. Manager and oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and Radio West Kalgoorlie, yes, and yeah. then becoming a newsreader, breakfast presenter on the TV, mm. and stuff like that. Obviously, in your story, you know, there's a desire to broadcast and be mm. in the media and put your face and voice mm. out there. Where does that come from in the Carmen story? I said to someone the other day um, at work, um, my talkback job at 6PR. That talkback breakfast radio is Radio Olympics. You know, all the skills that you require as a live broadcaster are on display, required, and on the go. And to be able to keep it together when you're trying to time out to certain times. So, for instance, on Sunday, we had to be out and thrown to the women's grand final for the AFLW by 22. So we're timing all the things we're saying. You're working with a partner who you're trying to, you know, coordinate with and speak together, get enough airtime yeah. so there's a good balance between the two of you. You're thinking about the content you're delivering. You're thinking about the callers you're putting to air. You're thinking about the person who's driving the panel and making sure they're across what's going on, the producers in your ears talking about this and that. You know, that live performance skill is what really gets me excited about going to mm. work. And that comes from, I think, being a performer in high school. And mm. I, was a, you know, I was a musician. I played music as a kid and wasn't very good at it. You know, I was a singer and a dancer and all those things. And I loved acting. But I realised what I loved was the thrill of just being all out there, one chance to get it right, yeah. or that's it. Yeah. You know, there's nothing more exhilarating than that and there's nothing no greater mental challenge than being able to get that right and yeah. a lot of people say you know oh, it's an easy job i could do that so i used to sit there and agree i used to downplay it so, oh yeah you know anyone could be a radio announcer or you know newsreader or whatever but i now believe or a tv presenter i now believe we make it look easy and that is the art and um, and I probably used to do myself a disservice by saying that. You know, it, yeah. it is. It's hard work. It requires a bit of intellect. You know, you need to know a little bit about many, many things in order to be able to converse about such a range of topics and to interview other people about those topics. Um, and to do it live, you know, live and dangerous. There are no yeah. nets. There are no take-backs. There's no, can we do that bit again? I messed it up. I didn't like the intonation on that sentence. No, you've got one chance mm. to get it right. It's the ultimate live performance. And unlike rehearsing months what and months for a play, oh, I just, it's, it's exhilarating. And it's a challenge, you know. It's and a test of you as a person. Yes. Yeah, test of your medal. 
you know, and you've got immediate feedback too, you know, especially with social media now. If people don't like what you're saying, you know about it in a heartbeat, <laughs> yeah. you know. And and so what used to, you know, what I used to enjoy about the applause of live theatre or something, now I get yeah. every day when I go to work and that is great. You know, I'd have to wait three months of rehearsals to get up on stage. These days I've thought about going back to amateur dramatics or something, you know, yeah. to, to get back that feeling. But to be honest, it's not as exciting as live broadcast. And when news happens, we're there and we can share that news. That's what's so much better than TV in radio. Radio, when news happens, we can put it straight to air and we can get experts on the phone. We can get person down to the location. There's no production time. This is live. It's happening now. And that's what I love about radio. And I'd love within my community and and, and greater to, to share that message and remind people how great radio is and, and mm. remind them to start listening to live radio again. As great as podcasts are, yeah. there's live radio <laughs> we'll too. Come to that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's that drive from being a performer as a as a kid. Yeah. And putting yourself out there on the stage in front yeah. for people to in effect, you know, judge me as you want. This yeah. is what I'm doing. And to achieve perfection. To really ah. strive towards doing something better and better every day. Um, and I, in my co-host at 6PR these days, uh, Michael Genovese, who's probably more heavily um, uh, a TV guy, you know, working with him has reminded me how cool radio is because he comes and goes, how great is radio? And whereas 12 months ago, I was like, oh, I'm a bit over radio. I'd like to go and get a TV job. That seems exciting and razzle-dazzle. But he's reminded me that radio is immediate and it's fast-paced and it's fun and you've only got one chance. TV oh, takes so long. You know, as much as I love, you know, I'll go out with um, Destination WA, for instance, a tra local travel show, yep. you know, to do one, two and a half minute story can take a day. And that's on a really low budget shoot like ours, to be yeah. honest. Great show, but, but they do it on a shoestring and, and that's necessary these days in most media companies. You know, a bigger company might spend three weeks putting together two and a half minutes of television. Mm. You know, it's time consuming. Um, a plane goes past, a person walks by, a, a car goes by, whatever. Mm. Like the noises we're hearing here in the background would be death to a television production. Yeah. You know, you've really got to redo things. Uh, you've got so many other elements. And so you as the performer, you can do it that one time and nail it, which should be great, but then a plane might have gone past yeah. or the truck may have gone by in the background Some or dude walked behind yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> or the the kids jumped in the pool at slightly wrong time or the dog didn't do what you asked it to do at that time. You know, there's yeah. so many oh the sound guy didn't record it at the right time. The video camera operator will say, Oh, you know, I don't need another one, I need to get this angle right. There's just so many more elements. Again it's exciting and cool to try and get it right, but I'd much rather do it live. Yes. <laughs> you know, that that to me is just um, yeah, the whole Radio Olympics thing. It's that's coordinate all of that you know and it's a production yeah and to still deliver content that's relevant on top of all that that's yeah that's really exciting mm. yeah mm. what was the question i can't remember it's kind of where, where did it come from in your story i think you've answered yeah, it yeah i think so the, you know the test and, and the pursuit of excellence mm. in there yeah and i think it definitely comes from performance you know i used to spend a lot of time as a kid learning a song or learning a piece of music um uh rehearsing for a theater production and i really enjoyed that mm. side of it um, and I guess, and I was a pretty academic kid too, so it's given me a chance to combine my yeah. love of information and learning and ongoing learning with that performance. And to me, broadcasting was actually the obvious choice. I, I can't believe I didn't happen upon it sooner in my journey. Yeah. yeah. 
Is there a particular impact that you wanted to have that drew you into this? Um, well, that's a big question, isn't it? An impact, or was, the, or, yeah. or was it the drawer of the performance that pulled you into it? I think the performance side of it drew me into it. I, I can't claim that I'm a, you know, a, a yarn event or somebody who wants to go out there and get a certain story and expose a certain yeah. thing. I don't have that kind of that news sense. Um, I'm interested in the news and I want to react to it, but I'm not interested in running around and knocking on people's doors and when they're in the awfulest moments of their lives yeah. and trying to get that interview with that person. That's not. And I realised pretty quickly that TV news and reporting for that reason is not what drives me. Yes. Um, I don't fancy myself being the person who extracts that story and I don't necessarily want to go and expo expose a major element of corruption yeah. in, in any element of our community. Um, no, um, but I do really fancy um, the companionship element and the ability to create a family and a network mm. for people who might not otherwise have one. You know, um, through the radio. Through the radio. Yeah. You know, it was well researched many years ago that that radio, having that radio there by your side at any stage in life can be have such a big impact and if you ever get the chance you ever stay up all night and wake up at three in the morning or something and put on the radio and listen to overnight talk back you know 6PR is one of those radio stations the only radio station in Perth that is live and local for 24 hours yeah. in our city you know even the ABC can't do that anymore you yeah. know and so to hear the people who rely on that announcer one person sitting in a box like studio in East Perth to talk to them through the night, that just reminds you that the impact that that can have in creating that sense of community and combining that now with social media, I think is so exciting. Mm. You know, we can do so much more to create a community, to support people and um, it's, it's going to do the job that I think knowing your neighbour used to do hmm. in our community. I hope. It's, it's interesting you said that. The next question I wanted to ask you was, <clears throat> because when I created the podcast, hmm. um, you know, I, I, I was mentored to do it. And the first thing that my mentor drilled me on for weeks was, why? Hmm. What, why do you want to do this? Hmm. Because... I think for a podcast, it's why do you want to do it? Because being clear about your why, even though your why evolves, your why will be the fuel that keeps you going past episode seven yeah. and eight. Yeah. And why we're now 89 today. Yes. And, and, and in doing that, and you know, my background's one of business mm. consultancy strapped with organizational psychology. So I'm always into why and a level mm. of depth, but and and so the why for me was what is the impact what is the outcome hmm. that I'm trying to not deliver all by itself with the podcast but what is it that I'm trying to do if somebody's going to invest an hour listening hmm. to this podcast yeah. or any of the others that I've done what is it that I want for them is there a purpose and so that keeps me super crystal clear about guests that I asked the way I want to go about yeah. doing it so it's not just a story there no. is something that they can take out it of becomes it. the filter that you mm. run most things by yes you know and that's for me that's probably how I approach any like, next job I'm going to do it doesn't yeah. give me that 
that opportunity mm. to to connect with other people. Connecting is really important to me, right. and an acknowledgement of the shared experience and how valuable that can be. You know, to hear someone um, who experiences life the same way you do is so valuable. And we hear that a lot now when we're mm. talking about minorities in our community and under underrepresented people. You know, if you're not seeing and hearing people who look and sound like you, yeah. experiencing things you want to do, then you won't want to do those things. You know, yeah. so there's huge value in getting those stories out there. Um, so and do you see that as because the question I was sort of coming to was mm. so therefore mm. <laughs> put it bluntly, what is the purpose of radio? Yeah. Is that the purpose? Yeah, yeah I think so. It, it's, I, mean, I can it's, see lots of. It's a mutual. Purposes, it's a mutual experience. It's local experience. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that to me is what's really been quite unique about local radio. And I hope it, you know, continues. There are, you know, companies in England, for example, who are networking all of their previously local breakfast shows now. And um, I think the thing you're going to miss out on is that that shared experience that you can all. Um, through whether it, some kind of media at the same time hear something occurring um, and it's a valuable thing and I don't yet see a really suitable replacement for that in the digital world just yet there'll be mm. something that can do the same thing but to all experience something together and know that you're not alone yes I think is important yeah, yeah. I think that's really powerful because mm. already with say for instance the podcast I've had people ring me up and say I can't believe you're thinking, talking about things that only go on in my head. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Now, exactly. Yeah. It sounds funny, but on another level, mm. you know, if somebody's just having that conversation themselves in their head, mm. then that that's quite a quiet, yeah, insular place. You've opened their world. You've mm. helped them realise that they're not the only one feeling that way, and that's yeah. powerful. That's really yeah. important. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope that's what we get to do with radio. You know, um, just by waking up and saying I don't know even something as simple as driving to work in the rain this morning if, if you're the only if you've done it and so is this person and so is this person yeah. you're hearing a caller who's had that same experience um, and of course it can apply to much bigger things too you know it can apply, it can apply to issues and illnesses and um, life's dramas but even the simple things yeah is a, is a psychological benefit I'm sure and you'd know more about that than I do but then to not believing anymore that you're the only one yeah Mm. Yeah, I guess the challenge that I get because because of the way I think about things is mm. is acknowledge, and then what can we do to move? Yeah, through it. But um, yeah. that's another conversation. That's another conversation. I'm interested Indeed. in that. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I, I I've got this real thing about you, know, you go on the internet and it's f it's full of inspiration, mm. right? You know, you can see inspirational memes and quotes and and little snippets and people standing on a stage belting out inspiration and you know I went to TEDx Perth and that's full of inspiration mm. and this that, and the other, but inspiration accounts for nothing if you don't go home and do something that's with great it. Point. Mm. So, yeah, it's kind of, and that's mm. what I try and stimulate with this and yes. and so sometimes that's why. It's probably because of that restlessness. Sometimes I get frustrated with radio and TV and mm. stuff. It's kind of like, you're taking me to this point. Where are you going to take me next? That's a great point. You know, there's almost a, um, a lack of responsibility from media, uh, traditional broadcast media, uh, up until, for, or historically there has been. And I'll give you a reason why that probably occurs. I think it's the, the immediacy of it and the, the short time frames of the content. Mm. So everything that media tends to do, particularly in a commercial setting, is condense information, make it bite-sized, 
easy to get out there, quick to get out there, a nice, neat, tidy package. Yeah. It's literally called a package. A television news yeah. story, for instance, is a package of two and a half minutes, and that's it. We simplify the issue. When really, to achieve any great value around that issue, you do need to flesh it out further. Yeah. But that's less commercially enticing. Yeah. So I, you're right. We, we give the information. We say, that's yours. Take and do with it as you please. Yeah. We don't have time to talk about it anymore. Indeed. Yeah. And, and then there's the, the gap. Yeah, and then the consumer ends up with stacks of two-minute packages. Yeah, <laughs> and they don't necessarily do anything about it. With it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then again, you know, when, if we do inspire conversation, that's why I like talkback, that's why I like social mm. media, for respectful debate, um, I think you can come somewhere towards re-education. And re-education is really important. I think with the example of um, the race, recent racism uh, controversy, which again raised its head in AFL this week, and uh, the, the West Coast Eagles' response to educate their fans and supporters, you know, not to not to attack them, not to say, "Hey, you're racist, you're evil, you're mean," but mm. to say, "We just want you to think about this and realize that what you're saying is wrong." you're not a bad person, we just want to educate you. There are, There's a, definitely a community of people, you know, in that example, who don't realise what they say and do can be perceived in a certain way. And so that was taking that story, that little package of outrage, and actually doing something meaningful yeah. in the communal, community yeah. with it. And so that's an added layer of content now that we have available to us. You know, the West Coast Eagles are content producers. Yes. They're not relying on the television and the radio companies and the newspaper companies that they, they collaborate with to put their message out anymore. They can do it themselves. Mm. BHP are content creators. Uh, my husband's chiropractic business, they're, contact, they're content creators. We're all content creators yes. now. And we all, have, you know, Bryn is a content creator. Everyone can do that now. So... The media companies, they, they're going to have to change their role, mm. you know, if, if, because we have all these other com competitors. And at the minute, I don't see, even, the, even among the companies I work for, I don't see anyone really nailing what their role is going to be in the future. Yeah. And they're kind of, they're not in denial because there's movement, there's changes in ownership. You know, now we mm. have conglomerate media ownership because it's more cost effective to do it that way. So you've got... Uh, Channel 9, you've got 7 West Media and they own big chunks of newspaper, online, television and radio, you know, in both columns. Um, and I'm, I'm, again, only really talking in a commercial setting here. Yeah. It's not the national broadcaster I'm necessarily referring to. Um, so you've got these big columns of ownership around media now and they will investigate, I'm sure, the way that they change their role in, yeah. in delivering that content because your content's side by side with all of these other content creators yeah. and it needs to stand out or it needs to play a different role in yeah. order to survive i suppose it's moving to a more leadership yeah it so should lead yeah. yeah i think at the minute it's following a bit hmm. and that's gonna you know that's gonna take some time to iron out exactly what role um the commercial media plays moving forward um and it, you know people like me where we fit and what our careers are going to look like is changing too. And, yeah. And, that's, and you have to be able to change and adapt to stay in it. You could, just yeah. can't stay the same. I was going to ask you about this because obviously you know, I looked at your LinkedIn account mm. and you have you did a whole lot of education as a radio programmer and mm. stuff like this. So, you know, and, and the jobs that you've taken, you've really 
sort of ground it out in a traditional yeah setting. very traditional yeah um and yet now here you are being interviewed on a podcast yeah. in digital media by some dude who has no background. It <laughs> doesn't worry me, don't worry. Honestly. I know, but, um, you know, and, and, and my fiance Lucy, yeah. she went through the um, a traditional setting of being a journalist yeah. and, and worked, you know, in, in the UK and then for the West for 10 years. And, and yet now, every man and his dog's got a blog post and has got yeah. an opinion. And, and, and they can just do it now. And they can just yeah. do it now. Yeah. So how do, how... How have you managed that? I mean, yeah. let's be honest. At the start, was there a bit of, oh, no, piss off. You know, yeah, like, a bit, bit of amusement, yeah, <laughs> amusement, probably. Like, where are they coming? You can't do that. You're not like it. Mm. And then they're an accepting. How, tell me about that. I think, yeah, the amusement. I I was always a little, I've, a little more open and ready to accept it. I'm an opportunist. I really do see opportunity in everything. And and opportunist is probably the wrong word. I'm, I'm positive. I'm an I'm an more optimistic person so I yeah. see opportunity and change and when I see a new audio, audio medium coming through like podcast I go this can only be a good thing for us hmm. you know there's hours and hours of content that doesn't make it to commercial radio each day because there's no time yeah you know so where do you put that you can put that in the hmm. digital space you know radio stations can have a whole other digital channel operating at the same time if you want all country music you can have a whole other country music station if you want yeah. you know so those possibilities are endless you just need the manpower and the passion and enthusiasm to put that there at the minute that's not commercially viable for all networks yeah. but it'll come and so i'm much more opportunistic um but i think a lot of people in the industry yeah well like you know we don't going to pay attention to this it's not commercially of interest it, it's not going to go anywhere you know um the big companies will wait and see what's worth their time before they adopt it yeah. themselves and <coughs> certain elements they have adopted and others have gone by the wayside over the years um and yeah and there have definitely been people in my industry who i've worked with who've kind of put their head in the sand and said well that's not real but mm. you know when we one day we'll find a way to kind of fairly measure all these things against each other you mm. know digital streaming for music is hugely popular and it's impacting on radio's audience you know um and this i speak about radio a lot because that's what i know yeah. you know i know more about radio numbers than i, I do to to yeah it's more than i know tv numbers or anything like that but you know back in uh the 80s and 90s you know radio shows that were rating number one had 20 and 30 percent of the audience now mm. number one radio shows i'm pretty sure mix is number one in breakfast at the minute this eight week survey period and they're on a 14 or 15 so 15 percent at mm. the best I don't think anyone's had 16% of the audience for a long time. 15% of the audience is about as high as it's going to get for your best radio station. Yeah. So there's, the audience is just contracting, you know. There's yeah. just less and less and people. Diversifying off to do hmm. other things. There's other options. Yeah. Many, many other options. And you'd be crazy to think that podcasts like this one and streaming services and just listening to your own music in, in your portable device can't even see iphone anymore because there's many other portable devices as yes. well you know just listening to that portable audio is eating into that audience without a doubt hmm. yeah so we need new ways to be relevant and interesting and i want to see that within the radio industry i'd be very excited to see some change and development and that's why i like talkback talkback hmm. to me has the greatest scope to reinvent itself and yeah. bring a great new audience to it because that's what's unique the human element the person talking the opinions 
back and forth, you know, you're not going to see that on your commercial FMs right now. Maybe we will get some commercial FM talk back coming yeah. through. But, um, you know, in the digital space moving forward, um, the talkback networks, uh, I think, have got a lot of a lot of franchise moving forward. Hmm. Yeah. You got any other ideas about where the radio could go? Oh, gosh. Call my CEO. Let's get a meeting. Other ideas. I think, yeah, look, the talkback space, definitely. Less music, more talk. And I, and mm. I know a lot of listeners say, I just want to hear music. Mm. But respectfully to any radio listeners here now, are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Are you sure you just want to hear music? Because if you're still listening to radio... Um, there must be that human element. You must want the human element. Otherwise, you could go off and listen to Spotify. Yeah, if you just want music, mm. you could be listening to Spotify. Yeah. Yeah, but you're not. You're still tuning into radio. So what are those things you want from it? Yes. Yeah, and um, to me, that's the stuff that us broadcasters who came through that traditional pathway and, mm. and even people like Lucy, you know, we're content creators with a, a skill that's um, been taught to us over the years. It's still relevant. We've just got to reinvent the way we use yeah. it. Yeah. Because I see you guys as having like great strength and 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 huge value to add. Mm. It's just probably tweaking the mm. the delivery method. Yeah, and being open to that. Mm. You know, at the minute, if you're going to have a full time job in the media, you're going to be working a lot. You're going to be working hard, and you're probably going to be doing three jobs compared to the one job you used to do 15 years ago. That's, yeah. that's just the truth. Three different of it. jobs all in the same week. Yeah, you will. And, yeah. and that is just going to be the reality of full time media jobs. And, and that's kind of why I'm still freelancing and just taking opportunities as they come up. I just want to extend that, that lifestyle yeah. and enjoy a few years where, you know, it's a bit more flexible and I've got some more time at home and I can work from here and, mm. you know, and there's a whole new paradigm, you know, there's all this other work. Yeah, new ways of working. Anyway, yeah, yeah that's right. I spoke to Brody about. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. this leads me on to another interesting question of how do you balance up, you know, we all know ideally what we'd like to do. I mean, mm. back to being a business consultant, there are always projects that I know ideally I'd want to be yeah, on or if, if they existed. Mm. But then there's the reality of what's sold or yeah, in your what, case what, what's consumed. Yes, and what the market is actually what doing actually right now. Wanting. And mm. how do you balance that up within mm. yourself? Um, sometimes you it's learnt to Yeah, do it? sometimes it's just practical, isn't it? You know, this is gonna pay my bills this yes. week. You know, I've got two mortgages, that's what I have to do. Um, but again I think it's that filter, you know, if I sit down and tell myself what what's my goal job, what I really want to do, I'd love to do what I do on radio, on TV live, you know, a live television presenting gig where you've got all that extra information and many elements all coming together, that would be my dream job to anchor that that yeah. situation. So if I if I know that whatever I'm doing is leading toward the opportunity to do that job, if it existed, I don't think it really exists in Perth at the minute. There's yeah. probably one or two jobs that are a little bit like it, um, then. I know I'm on the right track. Yeah. So if I'm doing things that feel like they're leading to that, then great. If I'm not, that's a sign to me to say, well, I'll leave mm. that job aside. And when did you get to the point where you started listening to that in a compass? Oh, when? Oh, only in the last couple of years, I'd say, truthfully. Um, while I was working full-time at 96FM in particular... It was just so draining and tiring and relentless that I wasn't thinking about much more 
Mm. Most of the time. In saying that, I always knew there'd be an end to that job. Every media job comes to an end at some stage. Um, I believed I was well on borrowed time by year six or seven. So I I was doing things like getting my website ready, Mm. blogging, uh, preparing and understanding my brand and what I would Mm. go out into the community with well before that job came to an end. So that drove me. That was very interesting to me. And I was really excited by the concept of not having that job anymore and finding out what I could do instead. Um, So, yeah, that helped me get through that time. So I think at that stage I was just still starting to understand that I would need to have a really good sense of who I am and what I want. Yes. Once I had didn't have that job there anymore and I had yeah. no idea what the job would be or how I would pay my bills after that, but I knew that something would emerge. Yeah. And then during that time I've definitely learned and that's more recent. I've learned to say that fits the vision yeah. and that doesn't. Yeah. From time to time. Now the vision is building towards that sort of yeah. next level performance on TV, not just yeah, radio. That's right. I think. Mm. That's what I you know, that's what I envisage yeah. would be an amazing way to, you know, to exercise that skill set, yeah. to really get the most out of it. And um and maybe that's the content that's gonna help, you know, this again, it's coming back to what's that content gonna be that revolutionizes this industry. Yes. It can't keep doing the same thing because yeah. we're just gonna get less and less relevant. And I'm talking <laughs> long, long term here. Yes. You know, there's gotta be something else. And I believe with even within my lifetime there'll be something else. Yes. And I just want to be ready when that something else exists. It doesn't necessarily exist right now. It's interesting that you had the foresight. I mean, obviously, you, you've probably been in the industry long enough to know that jobs don't last forever. Mm. To then have the foresight to, I'll start put, putting the foundations down yeah. for something else for after this. Because yeah. so many of us, you know, that could be applied to so many people who irrespective of the job that oh any have. industry yeah it's just a personality type isn't it yeah, yeah. I'm probably bit viewed as a bit annoying and a bit earnest to some people I get that um, why is that I don't know I just think it probably comes off a bit nerdy and geeky and intense but mm. that's just my personality and I'm quite comfortable with that now I used to try and feel like I had to act more cool and <laughs> less you know more aloof and like I didn't really care and I wasn't really trying it's not cool to try you know but now I'm like well I spent my whole childhood being that kid who tried really hard and thrived on success. So why did I grow into an adult who wanted to convince everyone that I just wasn't even, that I didn't give a shit? It's like, yeah. I do give a shit. Do give a shit. And I, I value and respect people who do give a shit. Yeah. So why, do I, why did I want to be associated as someone who yeah. didn't? Yeah. Yeah. Rejecting the whole call to drop out. Thing. Yeah, that's right. No, yeah. I like doing well and I want to do well and I like the industry and there's a lot that it still has to work. Offer. Yeah. So I'd love to tap into that. Yeah. This, it's part of it though, as I, as I look at it from an outsider looking in, that appears very fickled. Oh, yeah. You know, you you, you're out there on public display. Mm. Um, I'm sure there's egos involved. Yeah. Um, it's necessary. You need yeah. an ego. Yeah. You do. Yeah. A bit like politics was on one level. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah. you know, you, you're out there. You you put yourself out there, and you know, as, as you found. With your, with your radio job, when you get axed, it's public. You yeah. know? I've been made redundant twice yeah. and, and nobody knows about it yeah, unless I tell them. Yeah. Yet everybody knows you were. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> How do you deal with that? Um, I think that when you said it's fickle and I went, yeah, I went, oh, hang on. No, it's not actually. Okay. And that helped me deal with it. 
It's because, not in what way? Because your relationships and your reputation and your ability doesn't go anywhere just because you don't have a job anymore. Mm. So the relationships that I maintain and with people like Lucy and with other contacts within the industry and all of the industries that surround broadcasting, so with publicists in the area and with communications experts and even politicians and, and business yeah. owners, those, those relationships have endured. Mm. And people who have good relationships in any industry, I believe, will always be employable. Um, and I'm sure that would have applied, you know, in, in your industry when you had redundancies. Mm. You didn't think, well, I'm not defined by, I'm, you didn't think I'm defined by this one job. You thought, well, hang on, I've got this whole network around me that yeah. hasn't gone anywhere. And so I knew. I think the second time around I got to that. Yeah. The first time around it was like, oh <laughs> my shock. God. Yeah, that's Shit. right. <laughs> you know, but I was quite confident because it was the second time I'd worked in Perth. I worked in Perth at 92.9 when I was in my early 20s. And early to mid twenties, and, and at mix, and so all of those networks are still there, and all those people, you know, are contacting me and saying, "Oh, we understand how hard it's been there for you. Don't worry, everything'll be fine." Mm. You know, everyone got it. Everyone understood that new owners had come into the station. They changed so much; it was impossible for us to improve the ratings, and any ratings that we had improved were were a wonder, and they yeah. were all attributed to us. So. You know, we were actually doing quite well. Everyone was saying, oh, it's ironic, you know, the station's doing brilliantly and, mm. you know, they've come in and changed it, you know. So, um, you know, that comes back to that people had faith in the individual, yes. you know, myself and even my co-host, you know, that, that people said, well, you're good people, you know, you've still got that. And and I, I see evidence of that working for other people, people who are great at their job and who maintain their friendships and relationships and are great to work with mm. are employed to this day. They might, everyone's been sacked. Yeah. <laughs> they really have. Yeah. That was the other thing that happened when it happened. Everyone's like, oh, it happened to me, you know, yeah. it happened to me, it happened to me. Everyone comes out of the woodwork. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah. you know, everyone's been sacked or had a redundancy or, you know, whatever has changed around them has come through. And, yeah, I really, I didn't, get terribly upset about it at all in the first few weeks maybe later down the, and i had some health issues that really more so yeah. triggered me getting un, unhappy um it what it was it wasn't the immediate change of the job situation it was the changes to how i thought my life would pan out based on the health issues you know mm. it wasn't it wasn't the job to me i still had plenty of, to look forward to in my career that wasn't what defined me mm. yeah and again, it's interesting because as I'm listening to you, there's that whole put yourself out there challenge. Sometimes it wins, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Pick up, learn, move on. Learn. It's an incredible sense of resilience. Yeah. Because it's about you as an individual, mm. not the job defining you. Yeah. Because I can imagine it'd be easy for, you know, come and get axed. Mm. And, and then it's, you know, it's made public and then mm. people first, people's first assumption would be, oh, because it's crap or yeah, something. And then, exactly. therefore, they are crap. Yeah. And then you go from there. Yeah, definitely. No, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm like, and even within my own family, people are like, what has happened? You know, mm. and I felt like I had to explain it and justify it. But, you know, there was just this overwhelming sense of support around mm. me. You know, and, and you know, um, there are so many reasons why it didn't work that I'm sure were within my control that I did wrong. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm blameless for the yeah. situation. 
Um, but there were also so many things that were outside of my control and, and, I, and I just felt like the supportive people in my life and in my networks were just well aware of that, mm. you know. Um, and every time you read a story of other people's journeys, you know, they always say no one's an overnight success. There's always failure on the way. That's yeah. just normal. It's just part of life, it's isn't it? Overnight success with 20 years in the making. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. You've got you've to kind of keep shooting for that next thing. And, yeah, I was really ready. I never would have walked away from that job, but I was quite ready to do it. Um, yeah. But I could never have turned my back on it. It was financially secure. It yep. was easy enough to do. You know, I liked the, a lot of the people that I worked with. Yeah. I wasn't wrapped with the company. I've got to be brutally honest. Um, they know that. Um, but, yeah, I... I really liked the people that I worked with and I would never have pulled the pin. It was great for my husband and I and it helped us set up a few things. Um, But in reality, it needed to go because I really have enjoyed the opportunities that have come since. as a result. Yeah. There's one door closed, another one open. Of course they do, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you talked about, you know, being unwell. Mm. There's also, like, in preparing for this, I I looked at some of the media clips that you've got on the website and... Again, with what you do, you've got to be switched on and present mm. and, and upbeat and smiley. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Probably when you don't want to be. Sometimes. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. How'd, how'd you do that? Fake it till you make it. <laughs> um, I'm generally a pretty happily disposed person. Yeah. To be fair. Um, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a bit scientific too, you know. I look after myself yeah. as much as I possibly can eat the right things, get the right sleep. If you don't, you know, I, I do warm-ups in my car when I'm going to broadcasting gigs, you know. You've got to be awake and you've got to sound vibrant. It's just yeah. part of it. Um, and, you know, we all look for ways to increase our mental performance. Um, I've got friends in the industry who meditate the minute they wake up. Mm. You know, uh, other friends who have certain routines that help them. And for me, yeah, it's that going back to those performance skills. And in the workshops I do to teach people how to present to camera or how to, you know, um, how to speak publicly, um, it's all about those performance skills. I fall back to, you know, bird noises and tongue twisters and warm-ups and and vocal preparation that just wakes you. It it has this whole mind-body connection effect. Yeah. Yeah. you know, I used to really love yoga. It hasn't been a big part of my life in more recent times. But, you know, it's things like that, a practice of some kind that just reminds you that the mind is a big, big part of what's yeah. going on. And, yeah, um, just to, to achieve focus. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that helps you perform under pressure. You know, if the... The studio that you're standing in at the time doesn't go to air for whatever reason and you need to pick up everything and move to another studio 30 metres across the other side of the room and it's all during, you know, there's dead air and you've got to come on. You know, that's when you have to do real radio. You know, if you can perform when that's happening, then you can do anything. You know, again, that's where that rush comes back, but the focus is required. You can't afford to be flustered by that. Yeah. You know, you just can't. Great. Yeah, or to crack the shits when happens you know what i mean you know and i've worked with plenty of people who can't cope when stuff goes bad well we're all human stuff does go wrong it's not the end of the world this is kind of kind of kind of find it funny they enjoy it they hear that oh what's going on there you know whereas we go oh my god the panel doesn't work who gives a shit just get on with it yeah you know if you've had a barney with someone 
in the moment. But, you know, that's just a life skill. How many of us had a fight with a partner in the car on the way to a party and then walk in the door, hi, how's everything going? Yeah. That's normal. It's just the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Does it not get tiring after a while? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mentioned it's draining, yeah. Mm. That that five days a week, yeah, putting that on. Um, but that's where the fun element helps, yeah. you know. I, when I said that fake it till you make it, like if you start out faking it, then you soon just start having fun yeah. and it's therapeutic. You know, it's therapeutic to laugh and smile and engage with a co-host who enjoys spending time with, you know. This is fun. Having this conversation to me is really mentally stimulating. It's entertaining and you very quickly feel good, you know, even if you have had a bad mood. And I think for many years I, um, you know, probably avoided, you know, any anxiety or anything because the work I did was therapy in itself. Yeah, for any anxiety I might have been suffering because it was just nice to go to work and enjoy it. There's only when certain things changed externally that you go, oh, it's not as fun as it used to be, you know, and fun shows always rate better yeah. than stressful shows <laughs> in my personal experience. You know, when I've been at stations that go to number one, the place is singing. Everybody's on the same page. Everyone's having a great time. There's laughter in the hallways mm. and it translates yeah. to on air. As soon as you bring in stress, angst, nah, the ratings yeah. go down the tube. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You mm. can see how there'd be a link. Oh, definitely. Listeners can hear it. You can't fake that stuff. Yes. I've always said this too with radio, especially breakfast radio, five days a week, and talk back's the same because you're on air for such a long time. You can't fake a personality type. You know, no. if your boss comes in and says, oh, well, we need a, we need a mumsy type and you're not and you're a, you know, a nerd and you're not a mumsy type, you can't just pretend to be a mumsy type five days a week. Mm. You'll, you'll be exposed. It'll come undone. You're just on air live for too long. You have to be you. Yeah. There's just no other option. Yeah. You can't fake. You can't fake that. Yeah. <laughs> your personality will always shine through. So you said how uh, earlier on how you started to create the Carmen brand. Mm-hmm. What is the Carmen brand? Oh, I learned five words. That's a real, like, actually what they are. So real, smart, fun, determined, warm. <laughs> That's the, they're the words that I learned to define it. But, um, but it comes from me. It comes from within. And I did some work with a um, specialist who, yeah, you know, talked, interviewed, and a process we went through. Um, I think the thing I learned about it, that helped me define it. That helped me run the filter through the things that I do and the stuff mm. I put out there to make sure that that's the side of me that's being promoted through social media. Yeah. Um, but it's steeped. It's me. Yeah. It is the essence of me. Yeah. Um, you know, you operate around a real brand too. Yeah. It's just not hiding anything. It's just being honest, mm. being frank. You know, don't bullshit people. Just yeah. If you don't know something, say so. There's nothing wrong with it. There's not, is there? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with being wrong. <laughs> Wrong is okay. Yeah. And if you are wrong, apologize for it. And don't say if you're offended afterwards. Just apologize. That was wrong. I'm sorry. I'll do better next time. People don't hate people who apologize. People hate people who don't apologize or do those ridiculous half apologies. If you can be raw and honest with people, in my experience, that's the stuff people remember about you. They don't remember the time you nailed it. I remember the time you actually go, oh, yeah, I'm really sorry. That was wrong. Yeah. I apologize. Screwed up. So, yeah, real is so much better. It is. Yeah. So much space for freedom. Mm. 
Yeah. And tell me about the sort of the consulting work that you do now. Yes. Yeah, so now I've realised that because everybody is a content creator. Mm, we talked about this earlier. Yeah. There's space to educate these content creators in what I've always done in the traditional broadcasting space. Um, so business owners who want to create those 30-second videos to to brand their personality behind their business or to educate their audience, um, there's a space there. So they're learning to present to camera. In this case, the camera is their, their device, their handheld device, their phone that they're carrying around, putting on a tripod and doing short videos, you know, and it's just giving people a skill set, a few tips, hints and tips hmm. to help them deliver that short, sharp message to camera, great content for their social media, um, or, you know, a show idea for a podcast. You know, if mm. you're, a, um, and again, I go back to my husband's example, but, you know, if, if you're a chiropractor and you want to do a, a podcast about posture and the benefits of having great posture, then what would that show be called? Who are we going to be your guests? Yeah. What would be the format of the show? How long will the show go? How are you going to promote it? Those things. Uh, it's the content side of it. I'm not great with knowing what kind of microphone you need yeah. and how to edit it on your computer, to be honest. I don't know that stuff, but I can... Well, I know a bit about that stuff. But my special specialisation, I think, is yeah, just how to create that content and, um, and have the confidence to put yourself out there and know that you're not going to be ridiculed for getting something wrong. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of people who are experts <clears throat> in a field, that's their biggest fear is saying, oh, but but I don't want people to see my vulnerabilities, my weaknesses. But why? We're all humans. We buy from humans. The research tells us we buy yes. from people. We don't buy from corporations. People buy from people. That's right. So tell your audience, tell your, you know, I keep saying oh, they are an audience now, but tell your customers that you're a person hmm. that they will connect with and you know you can afford to to make yourself vulnerable to them to share some more information about you and th all of the information is telling us now that that is the way to market a business and it's free it's hmm. so simple you know hmm. like why wouldn't you make the most of it social media largely it's free and easy there to use. Mm. Yeah, you might have to hire someone to help you manage it or, you know, you might have to do some training to help you understand how to do it for yourself or to get your staff to do that for your business. But for the most part, what you can achieve with social media advertising yeah. is, is mostly free. Yeah. If you want to promote, you can spend more money on yeah, it. Yeah, you can boost it and whatever. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, there's just a huge opportunity. Mm. to, And I've been using that for my own brand now. To help boost, you know, I MC events and I get a lot of work emceeing events through mm. promoting that that's what I do on my social media platforms. Um, so, yeah, and that's, yeah, I think that's that's the way forward for me. Yeah, and I'm sort of turning that into workshops for people as well and um, tailoring them to certain markets, uh, to certain industries. Um but also keeping it quite generic and saying, hey, if you want to learn how to how to find your voice as a podcaster, then come and get in the studio and we'll muck around for a while and yeah. find out who you are. Hmm. Hmm. It's interesting. It's, yeah, it's almost like days of just putting out these sort of faceless adverts are hmm. passing and people want to know. Hmm. Who, who is it I'm buying for? Yeah. It, I've actually... I suppose, unsurprisingly, but um, every now and again I get 
um, phone calls and emails from previous guests who say, well, I've ended up with five new clients because yes. I came on your podcast. That's right. But yeah. then the most interesting thing is, is that the clients that they have, they don't just come in and buy a little bit. Mm. They come in and go, right, I want the full service and I want to do this. Yes. Because they've listened to the journey. Yes. And they've connected with it. And it's built trust. And it's built trust. Yeah. And it's like, oh, wow. You know, so you were the person who was bit like me, stuck in this place mm. and couldn't quite make a move forwards and then bang you had this epiphany and then you took action on the epiphany and moved forward yeah because that's that shared experience again right you know yeah. you can relate to something that someone yeah. else has been through you're going to want to work mm. with them and then you can follow their journey and go oh wow you so you did this mm. and then that took you to there oh maybe i might do a bit of that yeah yeah and that's the stuff that on radio shows we've been doing and, and I appreciate that for a lot of people they're not really familiar with what radio shows are like anymore you know, yeah. as I described those audiences are small now so we're skilled at that if yeah. you know any ex-broadcasters you know talk to them about uh, relatability and sharing stories and vulnerabilities and how that can work for your business because that is a skill set that broadcasters have Yes, and a lot of us don't realise we have it and haven't learnt how to communicate that mm with the public yet but um you know because it, it it's 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 lifting the curtain isn't it you know and that's yeah. that's the thing we've always been very good at just saying oh you know it's 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 um irreverent it's irreverent you know we're just we're just kicking around chatting being real people but it's quite contrived it's very careful we're making yeah. sure that we're we're doing things that will endear us to the audience yes you know and business owners and um uh, you know companies everyone as a content creator now, they need to do the same thing. Yeah. So if you want to know how to do it, tap the brain of a, an ex-broadcaster or an existing broadcaster. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of them out there. <laughs> a lot of them are out of work too. So if you yes. find one, get them in your business. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, no, it's interesting the amount of small business owners that have mm. been on the podcast and the first response is, well, why, why, why do you want to speak to me? Yeah. Yeah. And then you speak to them, and then all of a sudden there's amazing stories mm. erupt of how they created their business. Yeah. And all of a sudden you think, that's really cool. Of course it is. Yeah. And, and everyone's done, everyone's got one. And people sit there and go, um, but I'm not an expert. So well, hang on. Do you go to work each day and do this for people? Mm. That's your content. That's your expertise. Share that. And then, like you say, find mm. that background story. You know, everyone's got a story of struggle or something mm. that happened in their life and their journey to getting that job or, or building that business or that qualification. Yeah. And it's extremely relatable to mm. others. And those people will hear that and want to work with you, want to engage with you. And like you say, they'll probably want all the full service too. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. So over the journey of your career, what mm. have you learned about yourself? Oh, probably going back to that element of, you know, being honest with myself about who I really am. Mm. I've learned to, <laughs> what's the, uh, the, the name of the book? I, I give much less fucks about what other people think of me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's very recent. Um, I've always been very, very insecure and kind of looking for that validation. And now it's, yeah, I just want to be happy and do what I enjoy. And I don't really care if you like me or not, mm. you know? Um, uh, so I've, I've definitely learned that, um, and I've learned what work appeals to me and, and that I, you know, I enjoy. Um, what else have I learned about myself? 
Ah. I'm really giving this good thought. I want to make sure I get the right answer, I suppose. But, yeah, that studious nature, that desire to succeed and to do better at all times, I think has really emerged. Um, and I've learnt that I used to hide it, but I'm more than happy now to say, hey, that's just who I am. And uh, let's work together and achieve great things or don't worry about it. That's fine. I'll work with someone else. Yeah. Have you become clearer on your purpose in life? Well, it's a little hazy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, that purpose being connection. Yeah, I am more clear on that. Yeah. Um, connection and shared experience uh, is definitely clearer. Um, and I probably am clear on that in my personal life now than I have ever been. My personal life was very secondary to work for a really long time. Just really got a lot out of career and made a lot of personal sacrifices for it. Um, slowly, I'm learning that you know the the personal side of it is is got to pr take some precedence too. And yeah, I'm really getting a lot out of um, my life in my little family unit here. And um, you know we're we're enjoying these these years where we're just getting to do a few more things together and I'm doing some work on my hubby's business with him too and that's nice. It's been a really good thing to, to connect with him and reconnect with my extended family in Perth too. Having been back now for a good eight years, um, you know, there's this level of closeness with all my rallies who are all based in WA. Yeah, that, you know, whilst I wasn't gone long and I was back each year, it's just it's better now. There's so much more mm. I get to see of all of them and that's great. Would, I, would you argue that you're more present and less restless? Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, much more present in day-to-day -day life in general. Yeah, mm. awake, much more relatives. awake. And with the relatives as well. Yeah, mm. definitely. You know, and I'm getting to see my cousin's kids grow up and I really love these kids. It's amazing to see them and, yeah, and that's cool. It's good to be here for that. Because mm. 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 you've also, in your time, become a stepmom, haven't you? Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah that's Which it. Which is... A journey just to all of a sudden yeah. Yeah. be in there. Yeah, and it was sort of thrown in the deep end quite quickly. So it's because of the hours I used to do, so I was working mornings and um, my boyfriend at the time and my now husband was working the afternoons generally, I would do a few school pickups really early out just to help out Ryan. And, um, yeah, so suddenly there I am at sort of 30 years old, having never been around children in a caring capacity, mm. having to look after this eight-year-old boy um, and all the challenges that kind of went with that. Yeah, it was tough. Mm. It was... Um, I resented it after a while because I got lent on, I think. When my my perception was that he suddenly went, oh, this is great, what a great solution. You know, Carmen can pick him up every afternoon and that's good, mm. I can go and do more work and it was great. He built up his business and I'm there kind of using what used to be my very free afternoons where I used to go and practice yoga and all these other things to care for a child and so I had to learn really quickly to, to set a boundary around that, you know, back in the early days of the relationship and I had to learn what time kids go to bed and <laughs> <laughs> so I, was, I did a lot of it really on the yeah. fly and I made a few mistakes without a doubt, um, you know. Is it, because obviously I'm in a similar position, mm. we don't see many great examples and mm. discussions around step-parenting. Yeah, it's always really a, negative. Uh, yeah. The <laughs> wicked stepmother. I was going to say, yeah. the wicked stepmom, mm. which it doesn't really help. No. 
It doesn't. Um, and yet with the, you know, the increase in divorce and separation. There's more and more of us. There's more and more of it. Mm. So where are the great examples and the leadership mm. around that? And even I remember early days sort of following some Instagram accounts and all of the narrative on these accounts for step parents was about turning the mother of the child into this bitch that we hated. And even that really didn't sit well with me. I said, you know, we should be, we should be avoiding that narrative. You know, it's not an us against them situation. Your child has two homes. And the reality is that your child brings, you know, from that other home, that other parent has to be part of, of the process. You heard there's reasons why they're not with your new partner anymore, but you can't turn that person, be it a father or a mother at the other house, into the enemy. You've all got to work together. Mm. Um, so I purposefully wanted to find a way to represent step parenting in a more positive way. But in part of my story, I have shared stories where I did mm. absolutely the wrong thing. And I wanted to explain why that sometimes happens and why this ugly stepmother kind of thing does come out. Because I think we, we get to a point where we feel like we're being lent on. It's because so suddenly you leave that single life behind and you're, you know, you don't just have a new partner in your life. You've got this child there who's, who's part of the package. And if you love your partner, you've got to find a way to incorporate that. And like I described earlier, it's pretty tempting, I think, for the, for the single mum or dad to go, hey, I've got all this help now. And, yeah. they, they, and they would love it. They would love that. And I really understand that. But it's also you've got to remember that this person's come from nothing from, yeah. and, and possibly by choice. You know, I sort of focused on my career and didn't have kids, you know, intentionally. And so to suddenly go, oh, God, I did all this work and now I'm looking after this child anyway in the afternoon. It's like, God, what was I doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's happened anyway. I might as well have had that kid at 24. Not that I even, you know. But, you know, this, these opportunities present themselves, you know. And, yeah, so that was um, that was hard. Um, but now it's it's been the most, um, oh, you know, rewarding thing in the last eight years too mm. you know it's it's pretty cool to have this extra person in our family who's a huge part of my life and brings so much joy and you know there are also the awkward tough times around teenagers and all that stuff but you know I wouldn't be without my stepson in my life it's been incredible and I hope I hope that yeah we can really start to change that narrative around step parents, mums and dads, that they bring an extra dimension to a child's life. Um, it's, it's tough. You sort of get, a, you get all of the work and none of the glory sometimes, I think, you know. And, yeah, and I say that, I don't want to sound like I resent it still, but, you know, just sometimes people sort of dismiss the step parent and say they don't actually do anything. Mm. It's like, well, no, they do. They yeah. do a lot and they, they contribute a lot to this child's experience of the world and um you know you can you have a mother's day and you won't get a card or a, a gift or anything and you know i've acknowledged and like well you're still still being a mother yeah yeah so um uh you know you, if you have step parents in your life remember that they are still yeah and i don't think we need a stepmother's day or anything like that yeah. <laughs> But I think we just need to remember the role they play. And it might not be 100% of the time, but it is part mm. of it. And they, they are making a, a similar level of sacrifice to a parent. 
especially when you've got that co-living situation, you know, because uh, anyone who's, you know, got kids who move between two houses, they're getting a week off. They might not love it, but they're getting a week off. So if you if you parent your kids full time, think about that. Yeah. <laughs> Something in that, you know. Um, and for step parents, you know, to be honest, we look forward to that week off, you know. Whereas I know that for the the real parent, it's like, oh, you know, that's yeah. hard to get through. So you've really you got this very. It can do a lot for your relationship in negative and positive ways. You know, you've got to learn to experience and appreciate each other's experiences better. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Lots of weird thoughts around that one. Mm. There's a whole lot of exploring that needs to be done. Though. Isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. And real talk. Yeah, that is that is the most real talk. This is this this is the tough part of the interview. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. What does the next three to five years look like for you? God, who knows? And that is so cool. I'm really excited to see what happens. Um, you know, the, the Nine Network have just bought the company that I work for in radio. I'm developing my own business idea. Um, my stepson finishes school in 18 months. You know, so much change. And I just love change. I, I think I've kind of expressed mm. that already. You know, that change junkie in me is just hanging to see what happens in the next 18 months to uh, even just that short time. So, yeah, anything could happen. Mm. Um, I'd really like to build my idea of helping other content creators, yeah, with the coaching and workshops. Um, it might mean that I need to get better at creating my own content. You yeah. know, and I might go down a podcast street or something like that myself um, if I can find the time. Yeah. <laughs> it is a little busy. Um, and look, maybe, yeah, maybe a full-time job opportunity will present itself again in the future. If it doesn't, that's fine too. Um, I just want the right thing if I do go back down that street. Yeah. Mm. Otherwise, I'd really like to do some travel. I, you know, worked and worked and worked fresh out of university and never did those years travelling around as a young person and neither did my husband because he had his son relatively young and yeah. studied at the same time. So, yeah, we're both dead keen to see a bit more of the world and at the same time, you know, we, we, we have a wonderful life. We're really, really lucky people. We get to make the most of our city and our state quite often. Yeah, so, you know, more of that. In the future too i hope yeah lots of great activities on the water here and all that stuff i love it mm. Mm. what sort of things do you do to keep yourself uh, grounded fit and healthy uh um reconnecting with that a lot lately because yeah i did get quite sick last year yeah. um what was that so i have um i have a few autoimmune conditions and i was diagnosed with a new one last mm. year which is really rare it's called addison's disease and uh, President Kennedy had Addison's disease. Right. It made him very tanned, and I was extremely tanned. Um, it's not a physical tan from being in the sun, but your skin um, uh, turns that tan kind of orangey colour because it's responding to a hormone that mimics uh, melanin, uh, which is asking your adrenal glands to produce more adrenaline, and the adrenal glands don't work. And so the pituitary keeps sending out this signal yeah. saying, give me adrenaline. Adrenaline, and uh, so the, the crux is adrenal insufficiency, and so I probably had that for a long time, and probably made coping with my job at 96 of M a lot harder too. Mm. I haven't really told anyone about this publicly yet, Bryn. This is your scoop. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I 
tackled that and I had an adrenal crisis last year and it made me quite ill. Mm. I spent some time in hospital um, and so it's taken a long time to build back from that. Um, yeah, three days of sleep in bed. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't, yeah. Um, so what do you do now to keep yourself So now, um, yeah, it, I'm reconnecting with just being physically active again. I used to really, really love you know, my running and my yoga and, um, weights training. So now I'm doing, um, I'm doing some 20 fit. <laughs> it's something um, you've seen those machines that you strap yourself up to and that uh, electronically stimulates the muscles. Right. So that's been a good way to build up my base strength again. Yep. Um, getting there really, really slowly. And I've started running training again. And, um, yeah, it's still really early days. I feel like I'm right back at the beginning. Um, but that's really important for me. I've got yeah. to train in some capacity every day. Um, and if I don't, I really notice it. I can mm. get into this bad habit on the weekends when I do my radio show where I fall into that trap of back when I was full-time. Like you'll, you'll work in the morning, you'll be exhausted, come home, eat, sleep in the middle of the day, and then just not do anything else. Yeah, so I really, again the next day. Yeah, so I really, really try to make sure I get mm. outside, and uh, whether it's walking or cycling. I love my bike. Um, walk, cycle somewhere, or um, yeah, get in, get out and practice running. I'm a really bad runner, always have been, like elephant clumping. <laughs> so, but I, it's my personal challenge to get back that running again um, and build my strength. And I'm pretty again, always had a lot of trouble with strength. I famously did this push-ups challenge on 96 of M. I can't even do one push-up. <laughs> um, I'm gonna, and I think in retrospect, I think it has a lot to do with the, um, yeah, the autoimmune conditions. I was just not able to build that strength. So now I'm on a little personal journey to build some strength. And at, you know, 38 years of age after, yeah, a whole, almost, a, you know, just a lifetime of trying to do these things. I think I'm seeing some light at the end of the tunnel, hoping I can get that back. Mm. Yeah, or build something I couldn't build before. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So that's what I do. And the last question I ask my guests is, if you could take a little nugget of information and mm. upload it into the collective consciousness so everybody just gets it, mm. what would that be? Um, well, I'm wrestling between don't fear change. You know, change is good. Yeah. Look for the opportunity in it. And then the other side of the coin is, yeah, look look for who you are and don't be afraid to be you. So right now, the pertinent one for me is, yeah, don't fear the change. There's only opportunity that comes from it. Here we go. Mm. Awesome stuff. Cool. Carmen, thank you very much for taking time to talk to me this afternoon. No worries. I've really super enjoyed it. I hope you have. Yeah, um, I have. It's been good. Yeah, there's been, there's been lots now. I really, I really like how... I really like how the reasons behind why you do what you do and put mm. yourself out there to be, you know, excellent and the best you can be. And to actually now understand how you do that by putting yourself in these very, you know, chaotic live environments mm. is like the ultimate test. Yeah. It's and um Yeah. It's I, my extreme sport. Yeah, I mm. exactly. I can I, I see it as that. Like mm. I'm gonna really leave it out on the line here yeah and see what happens yeah and and it will be down to me and i suppose you get to a point where after a while you realize it'll be all right because i've got everything i need to do it yeah that's right you're always going to land back where you were <laughs> and where you are is pretty good anyway mm. so what's wrong with that 
If anybody wants to find you, where can they find you? Lots of places. All over. Lots of places. All um, over social media. Yeah, so I guess the key point of it is um, at my website, carmenbraidwood.com.au, um, as well as that on my Instagram and Facebook or 6PR on the weekends. So mm. that's on the radio, on the old-fashioned AM dial. Yeah. Uh, do a weekend breakfast show that there. Pinkle Turner. Yeah. On your on your cast area. Exactly. <laughs> Find it. Uh, check it out. Um, Eight eighty two, a.m. or on the digital channel six p.r. Uh, I'm there, and I also have a great community Facebook group called Perthling, which I'd really love people to be a part of. It's yeah. just a great place to appreciate what's awesome about this city. Put it out there. We're all about positivity. We're not about whinging about negativity. It's just about making the most of this place. We all live here. Let's not hate it. Let's enjoy it. Indeed. Yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Bryn.